The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. This is Karen Levitt, and I'm thrilled today to be joined with David A. Grant. David is an author of his book, Metamorphosis, Surviving Brain Injury, from September 2012, writer for BrainLink.org, a keynote speaker, and a founder for TBI, Hope and Inspiration Facebook Community. Welcome, David. Hi, Karen. Great to be here tonight. It really is wonderful. David is a TBI survivor. So with that, David, um, let's just get right into this. How did you sustain your TBI, your traumatic brain injury? Yeah, uh, Karen, I'm, a, I'm an avid distance cyclist and um, oh, back in uh, November of 2010 I went out for what was supposed to be a regular uh, mid-fall bike ride and I never expected to be um, finishing up that ride in, in an ambulance with a ride to, uh, to the nearest trauma center. I was about two miles from my home and uh, I had a most unfortunate meeting with a 16-year-old relatively newly licensed driver. He um, T-boned me at what the police estimate were somewhere in excess of 35 miles an hour and uh, catapulted me into the Traumatic Brain Injury Club. Oh, and how long ago was that, David? Uh, 14 weeks will be five years, Karen. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. And, um, you know, the nurse and he wants to ask, did you, did you lose consciousness? Did you remember your whole event like, like some of us do? I mean, you know, is that that's, memory... That's, that's kind of- that's a that's a loaded question. Actually, first things first. Congratulations to you. I know this is your second show, and uh, you and I are both card carrying members of the same club. So just a big shout out and congratulations. Um, you know, you've got the ability to impact a lot of people with the work that you'll be doing. Well, thank you. This is a labor of love. Actually, this show is, um, yeah, like you, we're yeah. creating a platform, aren't we? Raising awareness. Yeah. Raising awareness. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they asked the CDC uh, doubled its estimate. The uh, current numbers are um, 3.4 million Americans a year will sustain a traumatic brain injury. The numbers, when you start kicking them around a little bit, are just shocking. But to uh, yeah, to circle back to your question, I remember most of my accident with um, um, uh, just stunning clarity. Um, I had pulled up to an intersection that I was very familiar with. I'd bike through that same intersection probably a hundred times and uh, to kind of qualify it a little bit I'm one of the uh, courteous cyclists I wear brightly colored clothes I don't weave in and out of traffic Um, um, 
you know, I tend to be quite conservative, and uh, I pulled up to that intersection and stopped. I looked to the left, and the, the road was clear. I looked to the right, the road was clear. I waited for probably a second too long, gave one push off with my pedal, and uh, the next thing I knew, I was airborne. Oh, that's awful. And, and yeah, this it, was six years was, ago. Uh, actually, just under five years ago. I'm um, coming up on my five-year rebirth day. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually the, the accident itself, Karen, was probably the most surreal experience of my life. Um, I don't think anything can prepare you adequately for a near-death experience. And, um, you know, I've come a long way in the last uh, five years. I can actually talk about the accident without walking up to the edge and, and breaking down in, in tears. Um, I'll jump around a little bit. I'm a little bit ADD, but I was also, in addition to... Uh, my TBI uh, catapulted into the realm of post-traumatic stress disorder after my accident, <clears throat> and that's been a that's been a battle unto itself. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I remember being airborne and um, in what's just a, a kind of an odd um, unfolding of events. Um, it felt like time had stretched, and I remember being airborne uh, and looking down, and uh, I could. It was uh, 3:45 on a on a uh, fall afternoon and the sun was close to setting and I looked down as I'm flying through the air and I could see the uh, the mica in the um, asphalt glistening and my thought was wow that looks kind of like something you'd see at Disney and then again in my, in my mm-hmm. mind's eye the entire Superman trip lasted about 30 seconds but yeah physics dictates mm-hmm. it probably couldn't have been over a couple of seconds I think they said I flew 60 50 or 60 feet and um my next thought after I had kind of enjoyed the, uh, you know, the scenery and the, 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 the glistening of the mica in the street was um, uh, it's really, it's really going to be uncomfortable when I hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I hit the ground and was knocked out cold. And I didn't find this out. I didn't realize that I had a loss of consciousness until a year after my accident. If you'd asked me any time during that first year if I'd been knocked out cold, um, I would have told you that I remembered every second with exquisite detail. And uh, I was laying there on Main Street, and I opened up my eyes, and there was a, a crowd of people around me. And about a year after my accident, when I was working through some neuropsych testing with a, with a local doctor, he had asked me the same question about the events as they unfolded that day. And then he slammed me. He said... Uh, do you think the people that were surrounding you right after the accident materialized out of nowhere? And it was at that point, a year after my accident, that I realized that I had been knocked unconscious. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So a whole year. Yeah. And the, uh, wow. you know, the, uh, yeah, I opened up my eyes and uh, looked around and went, okay, I'm alive. And I'd just been hit by a car. And I think probably one of the most traumatic parts of the, uh, the whole ordeal was... Uh, I was busted up pretty bad. I uh, uh, broke a bone in my arm, um, uh, tore a bunch of tendons in my in my leg. Uh, I was covered with uh, cuts from going through the windshield. My uh, my wife Sarah spent uh, days and days after the accident pulling shards of glass out of my out of my head with uh, tweezers. Mm. And uh, at one point, I looked down and there was a passerby that had stopped, and they had their hand over their mouth, and I could watch their, the tears just streaming down their face. One piece I'll never, ever, ever forget. And, um, yeah, I was still wearing my, my cycling gear and uh, 
and uh, I'm calling out to the person, what do you see, what do you see? I didn't know what kind of shape I was in. And for a, for a couple of minutes there laying on Main Street, um, I entertained the reality that this may be my time, that um, I may die here today. Wow. And, um, you know, I had uh, only one arm I could use, and I snapped off my helmet and still calling out, what do you see, what do you see? And, uh, you know, other passers-by were saying, you know, just don't move, take it easy, help's on the way. And in a little bit of uh, what amounts to a little bit of an irony, I was only uh, two blocks away from our local fire station when uh, when the young man hit me. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was uh, that was how I had my dance card punched. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And of course, the young driver never really—he didn't stop. It sounds like, or even realize. I mean, obviously, knew he hit you. I would imagine. You know, just kept going. Actually, he did. He did stop. He did stop. And, wow. Um, yeah, the, the 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 whole you know if I look back with a little bit of clarity um, and the benefit of a little bit of time, the whole thing is is uh, you, a lot of the events that came to pass. You just can't you can't script. And um, I didn't really think a lot about the young man for the first few days. I knew that I was uh, they they rushed me down across. Uh, I'm in southern New Hampshire, and the nearest trauma center is across state lines down in Massachusetts. And they uh, they dashed me by ambulance down to. Um, the trauma center, they actually dispatched the local officer to go down and, and be there on scene in case it was my fate to die that night. And, uh, you know, he was part of the, the night's proceedings. And, uh, yeah, I didn't give a lot of thought to the, uh, to the young man. I just, uh, you know, I knew I was in a world of pain and, and had been hurt pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, about, oh, I'd say probably one to two weeks after my accident, they finally released my, <laughs> they released my bicycle from police custody. And when my wife, Sarah, and I um, went up to our local police station to, to pick it up, the, uh, the officer on duty said, um, the family of the young man who um, hit you has been trying to reach out to you, but privacy laws barred us from giving any personal information to the family. Uh, do we have your okay to uh, pass on your contact information to the family of the young man who hit you? Um, mm-hmm. I'm a dad of four. My wife has four, so between the two of us, we have eight. Uh, eight children, they're all adults now, but the, the, the kind of the dad gear started turning, and even with, without any hesitation, mm-hmm. I uh, let the officer know that it was absolutely fine to, to pass on um, our contact information. Mm-hmm. And in the, it took about five minutes to go from the police station back to our home. We walked into the phone ringing, and it was the, I haven't talked about this in a long time. Um, um, it was the mom of the, uh, the young man who, um, who hit me. And she said, you know, his name is DJ. And she said, DJ's been in uh, just absolutely horrible shape since the accident. We don't know if you lived. We didn't know if you died. We didn't know if you are in a wheelchair. And uh, he's just, uh, she said, well, we're going to get him into treatment. He's just been traumatized by the whole thing. And um, I found out after the fact as well that I went right through the windshield of the car and had some pushed the glass in so far that had somebody been sitting in the passenger seat, they would have been gravely injured. So wow. you know, from a young from a young you know, young impressionable adult's uh, standpoint, you know, traumatic experience. And uh, so I, she said, you know, he's just he's got a lot of um, uh, pain over this. 
And I said, you know, first of all, you can let them know that I'm okay. And she said, could we meet you? And um, we agreed to meet sometime within the next few days at the local high school here in Salem. And um, my wife and I drove up to the high school. It's, again, only five minutes from our home. And pulled in, and they were already there. It was DJ and his mom. And uh, he got out of the car. I, uh, I was incapable of driving. I was uh, still in a cast in my arm, and I had a boot on my foot. And at that time, I still had no idea. Uh, it w- I was still several months away from understanding that I had a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And he got out of the car, and we had a moment, Karen, where we just looked at each other. Yeah. And I could just, uh, I could see it in his eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. They were all sunken. He had the dark circles on. He looked like he'd seen a ghost. He just it looked like he hadn't slept oh. in days. Oh. And uh, with my good arm, I said, give me a hug, man. And uh, I gave the young man a hug, and I said, you know, we, we exchanged pleasantries. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to be okay. And I gave him a good reason to smile. I said, you know, we got to look at the bright side. Um. Wow. If you're going to hit one cyclist in your life, at least you get it over with early in your driving career. Oh. And I said, you had the wherewithal to hit a nice guy. So, um, you know, we're, we're good. And uh, you know, he also came yeah. with, uh, I remember they brought uh, chocolates and flowers. Wow, and we chit-chatted for a while. Yeah, we, they made our Christmas card list that year. And um, wow. yeah, so he, uh, he was traumatized as well. Wow. So... On that, David, we have to uh, pause for a quick break, Mm -hmm. and I would love to continue when we return. So we will be back in a moment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Our world is shrinking. We get information across the planet as fast and as easily as across the street. Lately, it seems as if none of it is good. The world has become so addicted to negativity, fear, drama, and our kids are learning fast. Are you worried about your teen? Do you know where they are, who they're with, and what they're really up to? Power of Peace Radio tackles real issues that are changing the minds of the next generation. Get involved in the conversation on Monday evenings with Kit Cummings. Pop Radio is about interrupting and redirecting those who are on a dangerous course and bringing light into dark places with powerful topics and real stories. We bring hope to those who need it most because hope is the new dope. Power of Peace Radio, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Deetta Jones and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. This is Karen, and I'm, have, like I said, have the pleasure to be joined tonight with uh, David A. Grant. Before we went to break, David was telling about the, the moment where he met face-to-face with the young man, the 16-year-old, who forever changed David's life. So I'd like to pick back up at that point. So, David, I, you left us off at a very touching moment where you exchanged a moment of love and actually a moment, I think, soul, your soul met, you, you know, you met soul to soul. It was heart, heartfelt. So if you'd like to pick that back up, that'd be awesome. Yeah, the, actually, the interesting piece is we had that, um, the meeting in the parking lot and uh, most of uh, uh, late 2010 and almost the entire year of 2011 are, are uh, sketchy at best. Uh, I, I lost uh, about a year of, um, of my life in terms of really active memory. Um, um, I didn't at the time that I met the young man who hit me have any awareness that I had a traumatic brain injury. The diagnosis didn't come until um, um, technically until March of the following year. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I look back on it with, uh, again, the, the benefit of a little bit of hindsight and some clarity and um, you know, a deep appreciation for just being alive. Not everybody who gets hit by a car at you know, 30, 35 miles an hour lives to tell about it. Mm-hmm. And um, e- even knowing today that the, the struggles that I faced were as a direct result of a young driver, I, I hold no bitterness or animosity toward him. Um, you know, one of the things that I've found in life, and it's been magnified since uh, since the accident, is to kind of move forward holding anger and resentment and bitterness. Uh, these are barriers to forward growth. And mm-hmm. they're actually cancers to the soul. Uh, they're just, uh, they can be insidious. Mm-hmm. And um, I wish him um, you know, nothing but a, but, a, but a happy life. And interestingly, about a year ago, I kind of went on a hunt, and uh, he was also, uh, at the time of the accident, one of my stepdaughter's Facebook friends. And I, they, they were both in high school together, and I said to my stepdaughter, it probably wouldn't be a, a good idea to say, hey, you're the guy who dro- drove into my stepdad. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's probably a good thing. Um, but about a year ago, I tracked him down just anonymously and... Uh, saw that he's uh, attending a local college and um, you know there were a couple of pictures of him I, I think it was on Facebook again that I found him mm-hmm. and at the same time my, uh, my first thought wasn't you know here's the guy that forever changed me mm-hmm. my first thought was you know what I'm happy that he's found it within himself to move forward and uh, truthfully I'd rather that he have no knowledge um, of the struggles that I've faced since the accident he has his journey I have mine mm-hmm. and um you know, I just, I wish him a happy and full and meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgiveness is a powerful, powerful tool. It absolutely is. Um, well, you so, know, it, it, it's funny, your intro where it said the gift is the, the shift. I was mm-hmm. thinking about that during break. And um, my entire life and the lives of everybody close to me shifted on that, on that faded day. Um, to say that life has never been the same since would be an, under, uh, an, um, an understatement of tr- 
truly epic pr- proportion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the gift is that, um, you know, the first couple of years, I, I fondly call them TBI boot camp. They were the toughest years of my life, bar none. Um, uh, that whole ambiguous loss, um, I'm a different person now than I was before my accident, and a lot of people within the TBI community talk about their old self and their new self. Mm-hmm. So there's been a huge shift mm-hmm. in the, from the David who was to the David who is. But the, the gift is that um, I live my life extraordinarily transparent as a brain injury survivor. Mm-hmm. I had a friend a couple of nights ago ask me about something that had happened the night prior, and then he shook his head and laughed, and he said, yeah, like you'd remember. And like people that really... Uh, love me today and accept me for who I am, they kind of get it that, um, you know, we may have a wonderful and meaningful conversation that will be forgotten within the hour. Mm -hmm. But the real gift is that um, I've been able to put a lot of information out there and share openly um, not only my own struggles, but the struggles that we've faced as a family. Mm -hmm. And I hear it every week where somebody will reach out and say, oh, my goodness, you know, we're, we're going through the same thing. And, you know, I've hit the point in my stride now where, you know, with the five years coming up in, in a few weeks, a lot of the tougher stuff is in the rearview mirror. And I have a lot of folks that have shared that, you know, the fact that you've come through what you've come through offers me hope. And in the final analysis, if, you know, everybody in, um, in the world could take their toughest struggle Mm-hmm. You know, work through it with uh, however they work through it and then share it with others. Man, what a world we live in. You know, it would, it would truly be something, you know. And with that, you know, can can you talk or would you talk about what it was like truly for your family and friends? Because you're right. I mean, I'm two and a half years out and it it has been, I, I call it TBI hell. You call it, you called it boot camp. It's nothing short of that not, not it, I don't use those words lightly I, you have to be uh, very smart like you have to be able to survive in the world and yeah. it's almost like you put a mask on you you learn to re-navigate in a world because once you were healed from your physical injuries you looked good I would meant you know so here you go now you're reaching your anniversary you're five years out your physical injuries have all gone so, you know, people don't get it when they see you. They don't see, they don't see it. It's, it's invisible and it encompasses every aspect of your life. And with that, the TBI, you know, the traumatic brain injury, it not only affects the, the survivor, it goes so deep, it, it ripples through the family and your friends. So if you could share and talk about that, I would be really grateful. Well, and actually, I've, I've done a lot of writing over the last um, the last few years, and it's interesting because I actually started writing um, um, journaling during my first year uh, as a survivor, and the part that I still find amazing is I actually did a blog post, I think it was 48 hours after my accident, and at the time I had one hand that I couldn't use, and I can just, I can't remember writing it, but it's there, so I know I did it, and um um, it had to have been a, a, a just a single single uh, finger on the key on the keyboard doing one letter at a time. And uh, what I didn't realize is as I was starting to amass this body of written experience, that I was laying the foundation for my first book, um, Metamorphosis: Surviving Brain Injury, where I chronicle mm-hmm. uh, roughly the first year and a half. 
And I talk a lot about the family afterwards. Um, you know, I've shared in a, in a lot of different spheres that the young man who hit me didn't just hit me. He hit my wife. He hit my parents. He hit my children. Um, if my life touched yours, you were affected by my brain injury. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, the first year was so much harder for my wife, Sarah, than it was for me. Um, I was out of it. I was just, uh, yeah, I was shell-shocked. And, um, you know, we don't talk about it as often as we used to. Um, but where I was granted the gift of forgetting a lot of the, the pain of that first year, um, she remembers it all in exquisite detail. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, uh, in addition to post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, there's another condition called secondary PTSD that's vastly under-talked about, and that's the trauma that those close to us experience. Mm-hmm. And they're affected as profoundly as we are. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not the, the power of that and the degree that others are hurt um, um, is, I think, very often understated. Um, you know, my, um, I think it was probably three months after my, my book was, my first book was published, I, uh, I gave it to my mom and dad to read. Um, in one of the chapters uh, of my book, the chapter is called uh, I Lied. My mom and dad live about 100 miles from us, and they knew I was hurt, but they had no idea as to the degree of um, damage I had sustained. Mm-hmm. And I love my mom and dad, and I will do anything to protect them from pain. And I regularly, even during the darkest of times, they'd say, how are you feeling? And I would lie and say, you know, I'm, I'm doing reasonably good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I couldn't quite say, well, Mom, I'm thinking about suicide today, and it's like really been kicking around, and you know, I may not live through the end of the day, and I just can't stand not knowing who I am and forgetting who I was, and every fiber of my psyche hurts. Mm-hmm. I would never share that with my mom. And right. uh, when she uh, read my book and we talked about it afterwards, she said I was able to read a couple of pages, and then I'd start crying, and I'd put it down for a couple of nights. And then I'd read a couple more pages, and I'd start crying, and I'd put it down for a couple of nights. And then I'd read a couple more pages, and then I'd cry and put it down. And, uh, you know, she kind of got a feel for, you know, the quiet battles that I felt. We, we saw my folks a few times during that year, and like you, you touched on, you know, I looked normal. You know, mm-hmm. the bruises faded from, you know, from black to, uh, to green to yellow to gone. The, you know, the cuts that I had sustained um, disappeared. The cast came off. So, mm-hmm. um, and my dad read it short, my first book shortly after my mom, and he tends to be a very quiet, conservative New Englander. And uh, she said, you know, he read your book and was just kind of a little bit on the quiet side for a couple of days. Um, I think at home was was here here at the house. It was uh, tougher than any, anywhere else. Um, thankfully, my 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 wife Sarah and I uh, we'd been dating together as a monogamous couple um, joined at the hip for many 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 years and um, were had hunkered down to the business of raising eight kids and uh, I finally <laughs> finally proposed to her and uh, we had a wonderful seaside wedding up in um, the coast of New Hampshire it was in August and uh, you know. I've described the day as something that would have been sponsored by the New Hampshire Department of Tourism. You know, 80 degrees, blue sky, a couple of puffy clouds. We get um, married barefoot, and uh, and this was supposed to be our time. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it was only what three three months after our first wedding anniversary that um you know that everything happened, and all wow. of a sudden she found the David that she had grown to love and um, know intimately. I essentially disappeared, and um, right. you know, and there are still, you know, there over the first few years, you know, I banter numbers like, am I like eighty percent of who I was? Because I feel like, you know, that trying, mm-hmm. and you know it from living it, you know, how I much know. of the old me is still here, how much of the new me is emerging, and yeah. um, you know, her number for a couple of years was, you know, you're like eighty five percent who you used to be, and. Uh, um, whether that was wishful thinking or not, I don't know, but I don't think it was. You know, mm-hmm. I, again, I looked and sounded the same, but my behaviors were vastly different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, I, I refer to that as a, you're a shell of yourself, or I'm a shell of myself. So I completely understand. Sorry. Yeah, but here's the cool thing, and again, it's uh, attitude is everything. You know, um, uh, I went through years of uh, ambiguous loss, ambiguous grief, where I mourned the person that I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, that's a lot different than um, traditional grief where, you know, you'll have a service and you'll have memories and, uh, and life kind of moves forward. You know, um, you know, I'm still alive and kicking with a heartbeat, but a big right. part of who I was uh, isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. But the piece that's exciting is, you know, you kind of learn to find your way after a while and realize, hey, you know what, I can rebuild a new life. And... In so many ways, Karen, this new chapter of life has been more rewarding for um, my wife and I than anything we ever experienced before. And in fact, Sarah, a while ago, um, and I use terms like, let me let me let me backtrack a little bit. I use terms like a while ago rather than like three months ago or six months ago. I've one of the pieces that's happened is I've lost the ability to discern linear time anymore. Mm-hmm. So I may say to Sarah, remember last week when we talked about this and she'll um, say, you know, that was six months ago. You know, I just, I can't put things in perspective anymore. But a while ago, Sarah had said, you know, we really were living lives that were self-centered and self-serving before everything changed. Mm-hmm. And now we're not. So, right. You know, You're living on purpose. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, I, real I, purpose. It's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And with that, David, We're going to take a quick break, so uh, we'll be back in a minute, and I thank you for staying with us. Uh, Once again, this is Karen Levitt, joined with David Grant, and we'll be back in a moment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you feel alone, even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? 
Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen, and I'm with David Grant. And before I we went to break, we were discussing traumatic brain injury and the impact and he was sharing very uh, lovingly about his family and life and we're talking about the injury it doesn't just impact the survivor it impacts the whole family and it leaves ripples and often tears and gaps and um, in that first year it's really eye-opening friends and family don't understand and it's a world of, it can be a world of isolation, um, and, and it's a world of loss, and I know it is, was for me, and it continues, and I rebuild. So, uh, David, I know you wanted to talk about that, so I'll ask you what your first year was like, uh, family, friends, you know, the, the loss of everything, you just sustained the physical injuries, and then coming into, you know, friends, family, the people hold you close, and what you experienced. Well, the, um, I think it was... Um Early in 2011, that I was officially diagnosed as having a traumatic brain injury, um, and at that time, I kind of made it uh, my mission to learn as much as I could about what was happening to me. And it's funny during the first few months after my accident, um, physically I was in a world of pain, but I sensed it. I think probably a primal level that something wasn't quite right. And I shared with Sarah Mm -hmm. on a number of occasions um, my biggest fear. And -hmm. my biggest fear was, I don't want to be, quote, that guy. And Mm -hmm. I remember she said, you know, who's that guy? And I said, you know, that guy who was never the same after he got hit. (laughs) And you know what? Fast forward to 2015, and I am that guy, and I am so okay with it. Um, But when I found out that I I had a a TBI, um, I started to do a little bit of internet research. And for anybody who's listening, there's um, an amazing um, uh, um, web-based I've lost the word, uh, web-based resource called the TBI Guide. And Mm -hmm. if you do a Google search under TBI Guide, you'll find a site put up by a, a physician named Dr. Glenn Johnson. And uh, it's available as a downloadable work, Word doc for free, no charge. 
and it was probably the uh, singularly the most insightful document that I read uh, during that first year. And one of the pieces that he, that Dr. Johnson opens with is in his decades of clinical practice treating people with brain injuries, he had never seen a single individual ever get back to 100%. Mm-hmm. And while some may say, oh, my goodness, you know, pardon my candor, but I'm screwed. Like, I'm never getting back. I looked mm-hmm. at it and thought, you know what? If that's the case, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get as close to 100% as I could. So, again, it's that whole attitude thing. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I may not be 100%, but if I can get back to, you know, 85, um, <laughs> that works. And interestingly, you know, as I move forward in this new journey, it becomes less important. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I am who I'm supposed to be today. But and the other thing that he talks about in his, the TBI guide is that um, the average person who sustains a brain injury loses 80% of their close friends within a first their first year. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and went, you know, at least that's not going to affect me. And uh, I was quite wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize, and a lot of this stuff is, um, you, you kind of learn on the way. I didn't realize that there was uh, still occasionally a social stigma about saying, hey, I've got a brain injury. Yeah, um, I know. So people, people that were well-intentioned would say, how are you feeling? Because, you know, most that were close to me knew that I had taken a tough hit. And, you know, my standard reply for the longest time was, you know, other than that damn traumatic brain injury, I'm doing fine. And mm-hmm. what it was, it was also the loss of the emotional uh, filter where mm-hmm. I would say just about anything. And what, I, what happened, and I, and I can look back today and realize that um, I was alienating folks and I didn't really realize it. Mm-hmm. And, again, I hold no animosity or bitterness because, you know, I take a look and, you know, um, there are a couple of things. You know, when I say, hey, I had a traumatic brain injury, people that I share that with, first of all, you're reminded of your own mortality, and that's, you know, nobody likes to think about that. And they're also reminded that life can change in an instant, and it's not always uh, a lottery winning. Sometimes it can change the other way. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of people that drifted into the background of my life. And, right. um, and again, you talked about the isolation. But the mm-hmm. other piece that Dr. Johnson goes on to talk about in a TBI guide is that over time, time, T-I-M-E, things I must endure, um, the folks, the, the void that was left by friends who walked away slowly over time becomes filled with, uh, with new people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I fast forward and kind of skip through, um, you know, uh, just under five years, I've got some of the most amazing relationships that I've had in my life. Um, that are that are part of the the fabric of my life today. I've got a number of survivors who are um, uh, part of my inner circle. I co-facilitate a TBI support group at a, a local rehab, and we're all right around that that five year window. And uh, we all mm-hmm. get each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've started to um, aggressively move forward over the last few years with my writing. And I've met both survivors as well as family members and others that are within the professional community. And they all fall into the category of people that I like to call some of the most amazing people that you never knew existed. Mm -hmm. And these are all gifts that have come to me because of the accident that I've had, people that I never would have crossed paths with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there there was uh, a lot of human carnage on the battlefield that first year or two. Um, 
But like Dr. Johnson predicted, you know, those voids are now filled with relationships that are more meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually, you know, my wife and I are closer now, I think, than we've ever been. Um, That's awesome. You know, um, Mm -hmm. she has said, and I still find it hard to wrap my mind around, um, we had, um, I'm terrible with numbers, we had, I don't know, 15 or 16 years, um, 14 years, we had a lot of years together before um, the accident, and she has shared that, you know, if we didn't have that length of time together as a couple, we mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have made it uh, through the uh, through the uh, the hardships that we uh, that, that life presented to us. Right. So I'm, I'm I'm glad we had the foundation that we had built our relationship on, and subsequently our marriage on. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. recovery is not something you go through alone. No, no, and like I said, when you when you do go through it, you often find yourself alone. Uh, people don't get you. I know, like. The holidays for me are particularly hard. A lot of people sound noise light. Um, yeah. I love the holidays. It's just painful. Yeah. Yeah, but part of it is, to, you know, learning, you know, and, and I'm still learning. Um, mm. um, you know, the, the first year, actually a couple of years, I was dogged with just horrible PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. Nightmares 10, 15, 20 times a month. And we're not talking about the wake up uncomfortable type of nightmare. Uh, this would be the, um, you know, right out of the textbook, 11.45 at night, waking up, kicking, screaming, covered in the sweat, kicking the sheets off, tears falling down my, my face in abject terror with my wife saying, come on, David, wake up, wake up. I can't remember the last time I had a bad night. They still come occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, you know, and again, the, 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 the PTSD was just absolutely um, paralyzing. Um, we live about three blocks from a, a ancillary, a secondary fire station here in town. And for the first year, year and a half, or any time a rescue vehicle would um, go by, um, our, our life got a little smaller. So I tended to spend a lot more time working around the yard and less time doing it, the things that mm-hmm. are uh, mm-hmm. that cause sensory overload. But any time an ambulance would go by, I'd just freeze on the spot. And most of the time, my legs would turn to jello and... Uh, you know, the tears would start flowing. And thank mm-hmm. you, God, that's behind us now as well. Yeah, that's awful. And, that was, you know, that leads me in because I wanted to ask you during the difficult phase that you spoke of, you know, the first, you know, one to two years, what actually helped you through all this, David? Because it's, it's, you know, like I said, I refer to it as my own TBI hell, and I know there are other listeners who, who experience similar. So they're, what, they're what helped you? Actually, there are two two distinct pieces that were game changers for me. One was uh, attending a uh, face-to-face TBI support group, mm-hmm. and I still do it. Uh, There's a smaller group that meets over at uh, Northeast Rehab here about, oh, I don't know, half a mile from our home. Mm-hmm. And um, that's be- that group has become, uh, many of the members are kind of like extended family now. And the first time I went in there, I'd never knowingly met a brain injury survivor. So to find others that uh, share the same fate, that share the same struggles, that are able to kind of pool, we pool our resources and the group has matured to a point now where occasionally we'll have somebody, a newcomer come in and we all kind of embrace the new person and let them know that they're welcome and they're not alone. So the first piece was um, just regular, con- actually three pieces, regular contact with um, others who share our fate. I also had to reach out for professional help. Um, mm-hmm. I went to see a, a counselor. She was a grief counselor up in Exeter, New Hampshire and uh I had a lot of uh, dark days where, uh, and I mentioned it earlier in our conversation, suicide was um, 
mm-hmm. not a passing thought. Um, it was, uh, how can I do this and make sure that the life insurance policy gets paid? And, and I had it, it you know, played the whole thing in my, through in my mind, you know. Uh, I do. Sarah, Sarah will, will, you know, will have gone through, you know, a, a tough year or two and she'll regroup and, and, uh, and I'll be but a memory because I knew that, you know, my accident and all the pain that went along with it was hurting her as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I saw a, a grief counselor for many, many months afterwards, and, and that was um, uh, absolutely life-saving. At one point, I told my uh, care provider that I was seeing that, you know, things were looking dark, and uh, she actually, small frame of a woman, I think you probably know her, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to mention her name now. Mm, that's um, okay, I understand, yes. Yeah, and uh, she said, you know, if I really think you're going to commit suicide, you know what I have to do. And she mm-hmm. was referencing involuntary incarceration, and you know, I happen to be fond of um, shoelaces and being able to wear a belt. So, um, and uh, <laughs> sorry, she uh, she said, you know, if you, if it's ever a real serious thought, you need to to promise me you will talk to me before you do any self harm. And I did, and mm-hmm. I honored that promise. And I don't, you know, that's not even an option today. I haven't thought about that in many many years. That's, that's excellent. Other, so nice. They crossed, um, and, you know, we're able to cross that threshold and can talk about that with such candor and and you know. Um, uh, we're going to get ready to go to break and we'll be we'll be back in just a minute we would love it if you'd stay with us and we'll be back thank you it's your world motivate change succeed VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now on Voice America, the road you travel in life is never a straight line. It's more like running around in circles, which is not a problem when you make Richard Flint a part of your world. When you're standing next to Richard, you begin to see a lot less confusion and a whole lot more clarity. Things just start falling into place. Every Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The power to be with Richard Flint. Join us and more power to you. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to Show at gmail.com. That's thesky'sthelimitshow at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag TheGiftIsTheShift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, everyone. This is Karen and David Grant. And David, before we went to break, was sharing with us what helped him um, through his dif- the difficult phase, the first one to two years. So we're going to pick up with that. I think that's really powerful. And um, 
you can't find this information anywhere. There's really no books. So mm-hmm. leave it to uh, David to fill us in. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, the um, like I like like I touched on earlier. The you know the first couple. Yeah, there. I've looked at it as kind of two different phases. The first cu- first phase was, you know, how do I get through that first couple of just abysmally tough years? And again, like I touched on, between getting some professional <laughs> mental health uh, assistance and connecting with um, peers that shared my fate, they, that kind of was a, a springboard to. Um, uh, helped transition me through and carry me through, um, again, like I called it earlier, what was unquestionably the toughest time in my life. Um, and then we, we kind of fast forward a little bit, and there's a third piece, and that's, you know, how do I live comfortably today? Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces that I found is uh, my wife and I very much try and live a life of service to others within the traumatic brain injury community. And um, it is without, again, the numbers are staggering. I touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. 3.4 million Americans this year alone um, will be impacted by uh, a TBI. Um, I heard a number once. I'm not sure what the source was. It estimates 65 million Americans currently live with a TBI. And um, it's, a, it's an enormous, vastly underserved um, segment of the population. Unfortunately, that's changing mm-hmm. um, as... as um, the mainstream media has decided that it's something worth covering. Right. Um, and part of what I've done over the last few years is I've um, become a very prolific writer. Mm-hmm. And, and how, uh, how is your writing, what's your writing style like, David? And, and you know, what do you write? Um, you know, it's interesting because, again, I, I, uh, I, I keep going back to my wife, Sarah. She's, uh, she's been my rock, my, my uh, she's, um, probably knows that she saved my life on more than one occasion. A while back, she said, you know, I read somewhere that Stephen King writes every day. You ought to write every day. And uh, what I started to do is just some um, blogging. Um, I've got a blog that's at uh, davidsnewlife.com um, where I just blog short, short pieces about my day-to-day life as a survivor. And as my work started to permeate the, the TBI community, um, invitations came in. The first mm-hmm. one was from a company called Lash and Associates. They were launching a brand new magazine called Brain Injury Journey Magazine, and I was invited to come on board as a paid staff writer. And uh, that exposed my work to um, a larger audience. And those who know me best know that the paycheck is not even secondary. It's not even on the list. The up the uh, the ability to use my life experience in a way that eases the pain and hardship of others is the ultimate end game. Mm-hmm. Um, after that opportunity opened, I was uh, approached by um, folks over at brainline.org. Uh, they're mm-hmm. actually uh, wholly owned by um, uh, PBS, and they asked me to come on board as their first traumatic brain injury survivor blogger. And that's an honor that uh, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I jumped at. It's strictly a voluntary contribution of my writing every month. And that, that started to put my um, written work in front of a, a much larger audience. And the piece that was nice is more and more folks were able to say, hey, you know what, I'm not alone. And if this guy did it, we can too. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can't quite put a, um, um, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. Exactly. Um, r- earlier this year, my um, second book, Slices of Life After Traumatic Brain Injury, uh, was released um, through Amazon.com, 
and an idea that my wife and I had been toying with for um, oh probably a year came into being where we now publish a monthly magazine mm-hmm. called TBI Hope and Inspiration Magazine, um, named after the TBI Hope and Inspiration Facebook community that I founded a few years ago. That's rocketed up to um, close to 15,000 members, and um, we decided to put yet another um, Use, use kind of another channel to put information out there that will help mm-hmm. those that are impacted. And uh, that 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 whole project has been probably one of the most rewarding projects of my life. Um, wow. We worked, my wife and I worked together on it. We've got a number of people that uh, voluntarily contribute articles. I take care of the layout. My wife takes care of the uh, the editing, mm-hmm. and um, it's a free. Um, uh, monthly magazine delivered by email at tbihopeandinspiration.com. Folks can sign up for free and uh, um, uh, start to subscribe to that. Nice. And, uh, it sounds like you certainly found your gift in your shift, which is the phrase that I came up with that kept coming to me, David. And and with that, if I can ask, is um, you know, what would you like to say to someone who may be listening or and knows someone who is newly diagnosed? With a traumatic brain injury, yeah, that's that's the takeaway. Um, yeah, the the big thing is that the David who sits here today is not the David who was a year ago, and I'm not a year ago. I wasn't the David that I was a year prior. Um, mm-hmm. Brain injury recovery is lifelong, and I continue to make measurable gains. I'm doing things now at five years out that I couldn't do at four years out. At four years out, I was doing things I was incapable of doing at two years out. So, you know, if somebody's listening and they happen to be new to this whole experience, the reality that is your life today and the pain that you may be in today as somebody new to all of this um, will change. Um, you will continue to get better. Better is kind of uh, dependent on the nature of the injury, but gains mm-hmm. will be made. And, um, um, you know, uh, not only my own life, but the lives of many that I know are kind of living examples that... Uh, a meaningful, um, happy life can be mm-hmm. achieved after traumatic brain injury. I never, Karen, I never thought that was possible. I, um, I, uh, I just, I never envisioned early on that I would come to a place where I'd be able to say, I'm okay with the way things are. Mm-hmm. I've got ongoing challenges that um, are probably left for another time. Um, I still have some... Uh, yeah, my memory fails me more often than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I've had five years of endless ear ringing. Uh, you know, vertigo dogs me on occasion, and you know, occasionally mm-hmm. the disinhibitionism kicks in. Um, but life is an adventure, and it's absolutely worth living. Right. No, I'm I'm right in that same boat with you, David. I, I re- what you're saying resonates so strongly with me. It's so powerful. And, they, you know, so what um, would be the one takeaway that you would hope that the listeners would gain from all of the conversation today? Yep, that there's hope to be had. That, um, uh, again, a little repetition here. Um, You're fine. A, meaning, a meaningful life is possible. But also, uh, support groups aren't for everyone. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd implore listeners to actively seek out resources local brain injury, statewide brain injury associations that, that uh, cater to each individual state have just an immense wealth of resources. And there's just something to be uh, said for being in the company, um, being in the presence of others who, who get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. 
Yeah, through, through the darkness, we do find the light, don't we? Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is occasionally I think, uh, think to myself, if I could turn the clock back and have taken a, left and, taken a right instead of a left or maybe left 10 or 15 minutes later um, so that the life that I have today uh, wouldn't have come to pass, as time continues to move forward, um, I wouldn't go back even if I could. Nice. And on um, that, and again, David... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, I was going to say, on, on that, looks like we're coming to a close. So I am really... It's my pleasure to be sitting here with you tonight, David A. Grant, traumatic brain injury survivor. I'm, it's an honor and a pleasure to know you and to have you join me. And with that, thank, I'm... Thank you, Karen. going to thank the listeners, and we'll see you next week. And a heartfelt thank you to you, David. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift.